Welcome to this Purdue Engineering Podcast, featuring research that addresses critical issues related to societal resilience in the face of crises, and efforts to engineer long-term solutions for a more robust future. My name is Destiny White, and I am a junior in nuclear engineering here at Purdue. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Lefteri Chukalas, a professor in nuclear engineering and a renowned scholar on deep neural networks. Today, he'll be sharing insights on how artificial intelligence is being integrated into nuclear power systems and nuclear security. Welcome, Professor Chukalas. I'd like to start by hearing about how you got started working with neural networks and artificial intelligence to apply them to the next generation of nuclear energy. Thank you, Destiny. I'm uh, very happy to be here. My work and the work of my group uh, goes back to the 80s, and I was fortunate to meet and work for a group of distinguished uh, scholars, Professor Rakib from the University of Illinois, Professor Urig from the University of Tennessee, and these were pioneers in what we call instrumentation and control systems, and these are the systems that are responsible for the control and the safety of uh, nuclear power plants. At that time, uh, computers were revolutionizing the area of control. They had to be perfectly uh, verifiable, validated, and there was a lot of apprehension about uh, digital systems because it was a little different to uh, develop methodologies for ensuring that there were no malicious uh, invasions of the systems, all these uh, regulatory structures that were set up for first and second generation of nuclear power plants would have to be revisited if we go digital, and it's a slow process. Uh, Similar things happen in the aerospace industry. It took a long time to develop the scientific basis for verifying, validating, and ensuring the safety of control and protection systems once they became digital. After I did my PhD with uh, Professor Rackley at the University of Illinois, uh, I went to work uh, for Professor Urich, who had established a center in uh, the University of Tennessee, the Oak Ridge uh, National Lab, and this was the Center for Neural Engineering. It was kind of ahead of its time, but very interesting. I had a great time to learn about the connection of these pioneering computing techniques like neural networks. Now they're sort of a common name, but at the time they were quite exotic. The computing needs were so phenomenal that they gave a big push, a big impetus for the development of uh, computers. Uh, There were analog computers back then, and then gradually we moved to the silicon uh, domains. And this evolution of computing platforms and networks of computers and the telecommunication systems that joined them went in parallel with uh, developing the ideas of artificial intelligence and neural computing. Now we're at the point where Many of these pioneering ideas have uh, moved from the research and the sort of intellectual gestation period to technology development. And in fact, a lot of what uh, has come out of nuclear research and nuclear development is now commonplace in many technical innovation areas, uh, such as, for example, medical imaging. Uh, Pioneering images can be used to, you know, sort of trace the delivery of special uh, customized medicine for the development of materials for semiconductors, for example. 
So nuclear is a uh, relatively narrow technical field, but it spreads from nuclear, the, the scientific and technical needs of nuclear power engineering and nuclear engineering in general, provide the incentive, the momentum for developing new things, which then can be flowing uh, into other areas and doing you know, revolutionary changes in many, many diverse and different domains. Thank you for that background. Could you explain a little bit about how your research is particularly relevant to the field of nuclear energy? One of the ways to broaden the innovation space around nuclear is to respect the need for protecting the technology from nefarious uh, goals, such as countries that want to develop nuclear weapons, for example. What is involved here is uh, privileged data. We don't want this to be flowing around the internet, for example. You know, countries go to war for such data, if I may say. We want this data to be safe. We want it to be absolutely in the right hands. And you can't do this without some AI. AI is a way of monitoring this important technology. I'll give you an example. A modern nuclear reactor can operate for 100 years. However, the mean time to failure for the overall INC, instrumentation and control system of a reactor, is about 11 years. So every 11 years, uh, you can imagine that this whole uh, ensemble of about uh, you know 3,000 instruments, computer servers, etc., has to be updated. The process of updating has to be absolutely safe. There have to be no bugs, no mistakes, no you know I plugged in something and it was the wrong thing, and I find out when everything comes down, you know, several weeks or months or years later. All of this means that essentially the people who design a modern nuclear reactor and the people who will decommission and the intervening experts who will operate it, they have to be sort of in a, in a virtual conversation with each other, right? Across generations. And to achieve this, we introduce artificial intelligence, which makes this dialogue, so to speak, amongst experts transparent and safe. And the result is that we have long living systems with shorter living components, such as the instrumentation control system, that works uh, perfectly and seamlessly. It's accessible, it can be maintained, it could be understood with the help of artificial intelligence. So you seem really proud to be here at Purdue and have the opportunity to work with this digital reactor. So can you go into a little bit more detail about how you feel Purdue is uniquely positioned for you to do your research? Well, Purdue has a history of uh, innovation, of being a leading place in the innovation space. A lot of interesting things happened here to develop television back in the 1930s, you know, uh, the space age, uh, the nuclear age. Purdue was always part of it. So now to be here and to be with students uh, and researchers, uh, and to have this unique physical facility, the Purdue University Reactor 1, which is the first digital reactor in the United States, um, this is, I mean, we can ask, can't ask for more, right? Uh, because uh, these AI methods especially 
uh, they try to address the complexity of physics, of uh, technical systems, of electronics, uh, of man-machine interfaces. They try to, uh, to, to, to address all this by computational methods that mimic the way our human brain works. But our human brain, as you know, is uh, sometimes doing things not very, very precisely. You know, we're able to make judgments, to see patterns. We can do it so well that we don't think it's anything, there's anything special about it. You know, for example, when you look at your window and uh, you see, you know, a lot of clouds in the morning and you check the weather report and, you know, it may be raining, uh, it's likely that you will get an umbrella with you. Now... A computer uh, who checks the umbrellas uh, in the hands of people and uh, the meteorological observations is uh, not, uh, it's not unlikely that will draw a correlation. It will correlate umbrellas with rain, for example, but it may be a false correlation in the sense that the computer may think that uh, the umbrellas precede the rain and therefore they cause rain, okay? So it's an example of false correlation. So they can be very smart. They can do things, you know, that amaze us and give us, uh, you know, uh, the marvelous things, but they may be false, you know, such as, for example, the false correlation uh, drawn by the association of umbrellas, umbrellas and rain, uh, you know, so a computer system may think that the umbrellas are causing rain, right? Uh, so we want to uh, ensure that such uh, fallacies, uh, such problems uh, don't occur in an automatic, automated uh, system of reasoning, which is a lot of what uh, uh, AI systems are. And uh, having uh, a real physical system, like a unique physical system, like the Purdue reactor, is uh, it's uh, mana from heaven, right? It's the kind of thing uh, that we can go and test and ensure that our smart uh, neural computing or fuzzy or expert or deep machine learning or smart techniques are also correct and accurate in their conclusions and they don't fall into fallacies such as uh, wrong causal correlations. It sounds like your passion really lies in the artificial intelligence arena, but I am curious if you have any recommendations or advice, particularly to potential students who want to pursue a career in nuclear engineering. Nuclear engineering, as I mentioned, uh, has been the driving force of a lot of uh, technologies, has been the driving force certainly in computational methods, in computers, computer development, uh, was came about because of the need to solve Monte Carlo problems uh, for the Manhattan Project. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, is involved in uh, nuclear engineering is uh, really a foundation of great physics, solid physics, modern physics, for the most part. We have, you know, particle physics, we call them neutronics because we're particularly interested in neutrons. Uh, we have thermohydraulics. Uh, which is uh, the 
reactor safety, ensuring that uh, the heat uh, produced by a reactor and its systems uh, is removed uh, safely at all times. Uh, we have uh, long-term effects, such as non-proliferation goals, ensuring that uh, what is left us, uh, you know, spent fuel is saved, is not grabbed by somebody and recycled, uh, you know, illegally or for nefarious purposes. A lot of this makes uh, nuclear, nuclear students, nuclear engineering students, uh, well prepared for outstanding careers in uh, research, in uh, nuclear industry, but also in semiconductors, in the systems, in control. So the combination of uh, knowledge uh, about the subatomic universe macroscopic knowledge about the behavior of fluids and, you know, concrete and materials, and how to be the custodians uh, of this important and privileged knowledge. All of these things uh, can be tied together in the new digital age through the innovations that emanate from uh, AI and deep learning and these technologies. Once we do this, uh, then it becomes a lot like a, a Silicon Valley uh, type of frontier for advancing the next generation of nuclear systems uh, that can make a huge difference in our energy situations, in our environmental problems, the global warming. Energy innervates everything. You cannot have a great economy and uh, machines for producing prosperity without uh, cheap and safe energy and reliable energy. So. A lot of the careers of our students, you know, the sky is the limit. Our students go everywhere, about 20-30% go into nuclear power. Uh, many of them go into, uh, they have successful corporate careers, uh, they become executives, they go to the national laboratories where they're leaders in research that has a lot to do with the national missions. Um, so. It's an exciting place and it's an exciting discipline. And I would advise anybody who likes physics, but also likes the computational aspects and the, you know, machine learning areas to come to nuclear. They will learn a lot of things and a lot of great careers lie ahead of them. I've definitely learned a lot from this podcast and I really appreciate expanding my palette of knowledge about how nuclear can be applied because I didn't know about all the AI applications and how they interact with each other. So I do have a last question, and it's actually, would you recommend students who want to kind of follow in your footsteps pursue an artificial intelligence career education track or a nuclear engineering education track, and why? You know, these are not mutually exclusive. Right. right? If you're really excited about uh, the subatomic world, you'll develop a lot of great skills and intellectual capacities for understanding and for utilizing the greatest uh, cognitive machine known to us, which is the human brain, right? We have 100 billion neurons in our brain, and it's one of them makes maybe about uh, 15, 20,000 connections to other neurons. So you can see we're talking about uh, the, 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 the brain we have is, uh, is, is, has uh, as many, you know, computing elements as... Uh, the galaxy has uh, uh, stars. Our galaxy has, I think, about 200 billion stars or so. So 
a lot of what nuclear engineers do is to be able to cross boundaries, to go uh, from the scale of the subatomic uh, world, the 10 to the minus 15 meters of universe, to the, you know, cosmos, and do this, uh, all this with the intellectual capacities, uh, the, you know, the fearless approach to modeling and uh, extracting uh, answers to very complicated questions. And, you know, you build great careers and you have a lot of fun, a lot of fun when, uh, you know, you can do this uh, kind of journey to go across this, across these different domains, to cross uh, different scales and to be able to ponder the difficult questions about who we are, how we got here, and where we're heading. Well, thank you so, so much, Professor Chikalas, for your time in discussing your nuclear engineering research. With that, we're going to close our podcast, so be sure to listen to our other Purdue Engineering podcasts featuring nuclear engineering faculty and see the show notes on the podcast website for additional information about Purdue University's nuclear engineering. Nuclear engineering.